It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Uh, here we are, 5 o'clock, and uh, already midway through the week. That's a good thing. What you like about those four-day uh, work weeks? What's going on up here? I don't know. Um, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to have you with us. I'm uh, sitting here right now, uh, Pilk, and I'm thinking to myself, a lot of these people who are complaining, uh, by the way, Philip the Ref Pilkington, my Huckleberry friend, is uh, producing the show here today. Hello, Pilk. How's it going, P-Man? The Ref himself. I'm, I'm sitting there wondering, you know, I, I often wonder things. I see things and I think to myself, what is going on here? I wonder about this. So I'm, I'm sitting there studying today uh, the World Wide Web one of the social media sites, and I see someone who I think has a job, but I'm not sure, put together this intricate post about um, the scheduling. This comes as a result of the Coastal Carolina series being made official. Now, keep in mind, these are the games that were passed over, or, or came about, rather, because the uh, the Boise situation being canceled. So instead of playing State, BYU, and Boise in the same year and flying out to Boise, Idaho for no money, where we'd lose money, we'll take a bus down or a couple buses down to Conway, play. Our fans will be able to go. And there you go. Now, I, I bring all this up to say the people that were complaining in some of these posts, you know, what is that, commenting? Is that what it's called, Pilk? They were commenting? Yeah. The people that were co- are the same people that wanted us to join the Sun Belt. Remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. And what Isn't conference Coastal? are they in again? Yeah, they're a Sun Belt. In the Sun so Belt. We, can, we can join the Sun Belt and play every Sun Belt team as a conference foe. But, dear God, do not schedule them in the non-conference. Don't do it. You know, it's going to take legislative intervention, state lawmaker intervention, in order to play UNC and NC State again. And I know that chaps and rubs the wrong way, Tar Heel fans and the Wolfies, but it's just the way the way it is. I mean, it makes Carolina's going to play UCF. Now, granted, at least they're in the same time zone in the non-conference. And Florida is a fertile recruiting ground, but geez, Louise. So, let me ask you this, Pilk. You, you were saying the fans were kind of hot about it, they were unhappy about it. What do you think? What's your take on it? Well, first and foremost, Patrick, the main thing that needed to be done here the people have to remember, was that 2025 20, date is open, and that's one year away. That yeah. was the first thing that needed because to be Boise, Boise and you discontinued the thing. Yeah, well, that was in 2026. By the way, this is a better shot. You had a 
for those of you on the video feed, Pilk had a real close-up of himself. This is a better angle. You could see it kind of looks like an actual studio. There we go. Yeah, shout out to Buscemi for helping me out with that. Now he actually helped me with this. Instead of you being in Buscemi's basement, (laughs) like it looked like before. But no. So to my point here, I've got this pulled up. Yes. What was your point? So to twenty to twenty twenty five. Listen, I'm going to name you teams that already had someone scheduled that week: Virginia Tech, UVA, UNC, Wake. West Virginia. All those teams already had a game scheduled for that date. State were already playing that year. South Carolina does have an open date, but they already have three FBS out-of-conference opponents scheduled, so they're going to look for an FCS team there. Our only options only options were Clemson and Tennessee and Maryland. I missed them earlier. They, they have a game scheduled that weekend, too. So if Clemson doesn't want to play us and Tennessee doesn't want to play us, you're either scheduling a second FCS game, which can't count towards one of your six wins to become bowl eligible, or you schedule Coastal Carolina, who we can all drive to. And you're not getting one game without getting two. So, yeah, 2028, I understand some of these other teams may have had open dates down the road. But, for example, North Carolina, that exact date is the first open date they have on their schedule. So you would have had to have scheduled them then, and then three or four years out even so. And that still wouldn't have solved the problem of having to wouldn't play have a the team immediate problem. Yeah. in 16, 17, 18 months, whenever the heck it is. And that was the issue. You found a team that we can all drive to. They'll come here. They don't really have fans. But, hey, it's, it's another road game we can go take over. Why are you complaining? you got to remember, in order to schedule a Power 5 team, the Power 5 team has to want to schedule you. The same people that wanted us to join that conference are complaining about drivable non-conference road games. I, you know, I, I always kind of worried what the fans and the message boards said when I was younger. And, you know, the good thing about getting older, you get a little wiser, I guess. I've always been a wise guy. But you get a little bit wiser. You gain a little bit of knowledge. And what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. People that post on these message boards and post comments and take their time to put this stuff on social media are generally idiots. Generally, they're kind of morons. So I just I gave up a long time ago worrying about what that what that uh, strata had to say because it's it's just it's whatever they're they're almost well I, I I'm going to get in trouble stick to sports stick to sports. I was going to say the same thing because yes. they were thinking with emotion like a, right? and not right. logic, and I was going right. to say the same. Yes, you could say it because you're red meat. I don't need to say that, but they're just, as you say, they're thinking with emotion. Um, so yesterday when we left the show, uh, minutes later, the NFL announced they're going to find David Tepper $300,000. I have some prepared material, Pilk. So $300,000 is a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money. Let me find where I is have Is it to this. him? Well, that's what I'm going to tell you. So I went to the percentage calculator, right? Yep. And I, we found this morning on the radio in the morning that Tepper's worth was anywhere from $14.5 billion to $18 billion. That's his net worth. That's billion. So, 
we're going with the low number, fourteen point five billion. We divided three hundred thousand into fourteen point five billion, and it's like point zero zero two zero six nine percent, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a minuscule amount. To put that in perspective, according to Forbes, the average salary in North Carolina is fifty six thousand dollars. So that's the average salary in the state of North Carolina, fifty-six grand. So I multiplied, I think that's right, multiplied zero point zero zero two zero six nine percent into fifty thousand dollars. And you know what that number came out to be? I'm guessing like three bucks. No, like a hundred fifteen dollars. Okay. A significant amount of money. Don't get me wrong. But if you're making 55 plus large, you know, you'll be all right if you are out 115. Yeah. If you get fined 115. So that's the, that, that just tells you how toothless this was from the shield. And I'm not saying they should have fined him millions of dollars. He probably should have been fined a million dollars, but I don't know if, even if you did half a million, that's better than 300,000. And if I correct me if I'm wrong, Pilk, there's no suspension in any of this. Yeah, no, there's right. That was it. That was it. He should have been suspended for this week's game against Tampa Bay, and then suspended from going to games half the season next year. Yeah, I I, I agree with you At there. I'm not minimum. A, I wouldn't have been opposed. I'm not opposed if they wait and hand out a suspension. They probably won't. But this week's game is meaningless. No. More importantly, next year to start the season. I want next year to start the season. I don't want his butt sitting in the crowd. That's what I care. He, the Panthers are thirty-one and sixty-seven since he bought the team, right? Yeah, and they started out six and two when they bought the team. So let's take those eight games away and then give me the record: twenty-five and something, right? Twenty-five and sixty-five. Yeah. I mean, it's just brutal. It's just absolutely brutal. And I can't believe, personally, I can't believe that there's not a suspension with this. I mean, he threw a drink on Florida Man, for crying out loud. Now, again, I said this yesterday, and this doesn't excuse it, but you don't know what that guy was doing and saying and turning around and doing the whole time to Tepper. If anything, he may not have been doing a thing, just being obnoxious. Bryce Young threw an interception. David Tepper should be familiar with that. And then Tepper got mad and threw his drink on Florida, man. Tisk, tisk, tisk. We're going to talk to uh, Travis Hancock, T-Bone, from the Mac and Bone Show out in Charlotte on WFNZ coming up in uh, our next segment to find out what's being said in the Queen City and in Panthers Nation. About this, we have tickets to the uh, game against Tulsa, so we got a pair today and a pair tomorrow. Is that the plan, Pilk? That is. Okay, let's give away a pair right now. Our f- new phone number is two five two five six one talk. That's two five two five six one eight two five five talk. I believe that's right. Uh, if you're caller three, let's make it very very simple. You'll win a pair of tickets to Sunday's game. ECU 
in Tulsa. So good luck to you. Might uh might get you well, we can't get you on the air because we got a guest coming up. So call in and you'll win a pair of tickets. We'll say your name on the radio. That's incentive. It's the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. 94.3thegame.com is where we're streaming and the IBX Media app. Pilk's going to get T-Bone on the phone after we hear from uh, our caller. So good luck. You'll win a pair of tickets ECU in Tulsa Sunday. 561-TALK. I'm going to stand up and walk around and relieve a little strain on my shoulder. And we'll be right back. Riding shotgun with you on the drive home. It's showtime. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, Don was our big winner. Congrats, Don. Bill, did we find out where Don was from? Uh, no, I didn't ask. Sorry about that. I got Mars? his number. I got all the, the important information, and I forgot to ask where he was from. What's the first six number, the area code, the, the number? Uh, it's it's two five two, and then uh, dang, you want me to give out half the guy's phone number, right? And then nine one six. Yeah, that's kind of a local number. It's an Eastern North Carolina number. Well, good for him. Give out the rest. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Don. We wouldn't <laughs> do that to you. Uh, he's playing hurt. Travis Hancock from uh, WFNZ out in Charlotte has been good enough to join us. Are you? I, I'm terribly sorry you're doing this, T Bone, because you're no, sick. No problem. Yeah. You're not well? Are you hydrating? I had the flu. We were off all last week, and I had the flu every single day we were off. So I'm uh, I'm at the back end of it now. I'm uh, I'm in that, like, over it but still get tired easily phase. But, uh, man, it, it got me back. So I was like, you know what? We're not going to make you sick until you have no work. So when it, now that right. you're free, we're going to knock you out for seven days and just make you sit around and – Watch the first take backups for a full week, but I'm fine though. Besides that, wasn't that the, that's the worst, isn't it? You you avoid this stuff and then you get sick the week you don't have anything to do. Yeah, it happened two two years in a row. Also, I got sick the same time last year. Like as soon as who have, as soon as who my, have you anger? Soon as my year ends, who have you soon as my year ends, I, I, I I've got a list of people I've anger. I'll give that to you at some point. I've got a whole book. <laughs> Well, thanks for doing this. Obviously, when we left the air yesterday here, all the David Tepper stuff came out. Uh, speaking of hydration, had you been sitting outside of the uh, owner's box in uh, Jacksonville Everbank Stadium, you would have been hydrated. You got some kind of beverage thrown on you, apparently. So yeah, it might be an you know, uh, area where you need to wear. You might need to wear an, uh, use an umbrella or something in that area going forward. If uh, if Tepper's around, man, what a what what a time of uh, of embarrassment here. Not just the uh, the on-field product, but now we've got the, the owner continues to be an embarrassment. We are just one giant embarrassment everywhere we look right now. What was the reaction today uh, from your listeners about all this, and even yesterday when this, uh, the day before yesterday, excuse me, or yesterday, as this thing went viral? Uh, it started, yeah, what, what was the reaction? I'm interested to know that. Y- yesterday was about, you know, 99% what I just said about the embarrassment and, and the reaction and very, very, uh, anti-Tepper as we tried to figure out what, what punishment, if any, makes sense because obviously money or anything of that nature doesn't really affect him. So we were trying to figure out what they may do. 
Um, how did we get to this point with temporary? There was a lot of analyzing of the actual incident yesterday. Today, I would not say it was 99% against Tepper. We started, you know, it's hard to tell in, in what we do. Do people really feel the need to defend David Tepper or are they just the contrarians to whatever we say? We have a lot of that that goes on where it doesn't sure. matter. Someone will, def- someone will defend anything someone does. So I would say today there was a large number of people, not an overwhelming majority, but there was a lot of people that came out mad at us that we were still talking about it today. That, that Tepper didn't do anything wrong. Tepper, Tepper, uh, did what any man would do in that situation. I, I don't, there was, there was a little machoism today in defending Tepper more than yesterday. So that was kind of interesting. Not, not a ton, but enough to go. What, what, when did, when did David Tepper and how did David Tepper pick up defenders in the last 24 hours? It's kind of interesting. Well, uh, we'll change the course there. Well, when they say he defended himself, I mean, has it come out? With, I mean, were people barking at him from the from the uh, stands, or, or what was going on? Or has that ever really been? Because I have to imagine there was some level of that that went on. Doesn't doesn't uh, justify what Tepper did, but I have to imagine that that there was some level of of uh, conversation or or uh, jeers coming his way from the stands. I have to imagine that was the case. Yeah, well, that's my question. No one knows because no one's heard either side of the story, really. So that was my question yesterday. It wasn't my question in defense of David Tepper because it doesn't matter what's said or done. A man of that stature can't get down in the muck with any fan and do that. So it doesn't matter what was said. However, you know, there's more to that story than we know because why did that person just film all of a sudden? So that yeah. that person saw something going on and they got the end of it. What what was going on prior to that that led to that happening? We 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 simply don't know. And I know Scott Fitterer, the GM's become kind of a meme for not moving, but at the same time, Scott Fitterer's reaction was one of I'm not getting involved, but also of a guy that may have just witnessed this thing go on for a while. He was like he he looked right. like he wasn't shocked by what was going on. So that leads me to believe too. How long did something go on? What went on? And why did Tepper, you know, throw the cup down and spin it like Steve Smith spit in a football back in the day? Like what, <laughs> what led to that? And there's no excuse for it, but it is a natural thing to kind of wonder, okay, why did that person film? Why was Fitterer so not stunned? Like what was going on in the, in the, in the time prior to that? Right. The Dateline NBC right. and me kind of wants to know a little bit. And then what happened? You could do that. <laughs> you do that. Oh, there's more. Oh, but there's more. Yeah, Keith Morrison. Like, I need to know. I kind of need to know, like, what led to the. We only saw the end. I need to see a whole video. I need to see the. I need to see the whole thirty for thirty here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've got uh, Travis Hancock, T Bone from WFNZ, the Mac and Bone Show, in the uh, mornings out there in the uh, Queen City. So uh, feel free to use this. You may have already done it. Uh, I fi- we we've. What we Googled this morning on the morning show I'm on is that Tepper's worth $14.5 billion to $18 billion. We went with the low end there. We did the math with three hundred grand into that. And the average North Carolinian makes $56,000, uh, T-Bone. That would be like $115 coming out of the average North Carolinian's pocket. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Yeah. It's, uh, 300 grand doesn't do anything. No, it's like 0.000015% yeah. of his... Of his net worth. By the way, we have an update on that. I, I did not know this week until my co-host told me. Tepper's now at twenty billion dollars. He's gone up two billion dollars. 
Oh, yeah, okay. I, I well, did. I, I had about eight, I had about eighteen a while ago. He's now yeah now he's hitting twenty billion. So I don't know where he just happened to find uh, two billion dollars hanging around in his sock drawer. But yeah, Tepper's right. now up to twenty billion, and I mean, you know, eighteen to twenty billion. What's the difference? But yeah, that the numbers there of what that fine equates to it's 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 unbelievable, really. I mean, preposterous. I mean, this guy. I think isn't Tepper now, if I'm not mistaken, isn't he worth thirteen billion dollars more than the Yankees are? Because I, I think the Yankees yep. are valued yep. at like seven billion dollars, and he's at he's, right. he's he's worth thirteen billion dollars more than the, the the you know the most valued franchise in all sports. Uh, you know, I, I kind of think here um, the NFL erred by not putting some suspension on this. In other words, suspending him for this week's game, and then suspending him into an appreciable amount of time for next year. You can't go to any stadium, the visiting stadium, the home stadium, and watch the game. That's the type of thing that would have been an ego blow and gotten the attention of Tepper, I think. What do you believe? Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't know, because if you took him away from, I mean, he's still going to, I mean, if you took him away from being around the team, he's still going to find a way in this day and age to still be, you know, he might not be in the building, but come on, he's He's still going to be, oh, yeah. you know, around. Yeah. And then the money doesn't mean, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what would have hurt him. I think the biggest thing that does hurt him, it's not the, the, what would have been a suspension. It's not draft collateral. It's not the fine. It's the reputation takes another hit at the worst time because that piece came out a couple of weeks ago from Diana Rossini of the athletic about. Mm-hmm. The fact mm-hmm. that Ben Johnson, who's the the apple of the eye again, the Lions OC for the head coaching spot, was already being told by people here that know him how messed up it is, and and it's it's a bad situation. This was weeks ago, and now this comes out again. So, what this could do for the coaching search, the wish list, the guys he wants at the top, that's where he's going to suffer because his reputation already was bad. You throw this on there, yeah, certainly he can pay the most of a guy that he wants, but a guy like Ben Johnson, who was apprehensive about being a head coach anywhere last year, didn't even interview for the job. He now sees this, or he sees Los Angeles with Justin Herbert. You know, he might go, right. uh, yeah, so I think this hurts the most in his wish list. So he'll get somebody, but is he going to go to get Ben Johnson right away now? Is he going to get somebody? I, now I, I don't know. That's where it's going to hurt the most is that he messed up at the wrong time. Do you think, um, do you believe, you know, as far as, because I've heard this prior to this athletic article that, I mean, it is dysfunctional. It's not just the football side that's dysfunctional. It's everything throughout the office permeates as dysfunctional. And I've heard that from enough people separately of what are separate of one another that there has to be some truth to that. This article kind of shed light on it. I mean, there's people that will be hired by Tepper. And then they're leaving within a month or two. It's not like he's clearing house of the old Jerry Richardson people. I mean, there there are people that he hired, his own people, that he either fires or they leave. So I mean, it's it's a volatile situation to say the least. Oh, it's it's mess. There are so many people on the business side of Denver Sports and Entertainment that means the Panthers and Charlotte FC that you know are gone. There every month someone's leaving. Someone that we know is leaving, and you know you never quite know why, but then you can kind of figure out later on what's going on. When you factor in the soccer team and the and the football team, the professional American football team here, 
and you and you count the the head coaches that he hired and the interim coaches that had to take over at some point. Charles SC has only been around for two full years. He's only been the owner of the Panthers now for what six years. This will be his ninth, yeah. right? This will be his ninth coach, counting the interim of the two sports yeah. in six years, which is just. I mean, you think about it. He comes from Pittsburgh, where he was a minority owner for the Steelers. They've had three coaches since like the 1700s. Like it's crazy. He comes from the most stable of football franchises ever, where you can't, you don't even. Once you get there, you, you have a job for life almost. And now he comes here, and it's like every couple weeks, it's like, oh, that person's fired. How did that man come from the Steelers, where you know they keep everybody forever? It's, it's crazy to me. You know, you talked about the reputation taking an, another hit. I mean, he obviously owns the team. He, there, there's no repercussion for him in, in any way. I, I don't. I mean, unless people just decide they're not going to buy tickets any longer or go to the games, and, and in that case, he'll just move the team. So, I mean, it, it's he. There's no self awareness, so he can't in my opinion, look at himself in the mirror and say, all right, how do I need to change to not only be better, but also make my investment better? Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, yesterday with that statement in the last couple of days was an opportunity to become relatable to the average fan, to the average Charlottean, to the average North Carolinian. Because remember, his whole thing is that he came from nothing, he was a short-order cook, and then he – you know, due to great investments and foresight, he became the the billionaire that we're talking about. So he grew himself from from little means into becoming one of the richest men in the world. But yet, when you hear him talk at pressers, when you hear the stories about the way he treats people behind the scenes, when you see what happened the other day, that, that no matter where where he came from, he's not relatable. The fans don't see him on an equal plane of hey, this guy's a rich, but. He's one of us. You know, he's a normal dude that made it big. He doesn't speak in that way oppressors. He doesn't act that way, apparently, behind the scenes. And I thought the last couple of days was an opportunity to perhaps hit a reset button, say something in a statement or whatever. Hey, what? Hey, my passion did get in the way, but I apologize to the Jacksonville fan. I apologize to the NFL. I apologize to all those that root for the organizations that they own. I, I, I messed up. I got, I'm, I'm mad. I'm upset that I've never had something negative like this in my life. I'm not doing well so far. I'm trying to get it better. I'm mad. I'm, an, I'm a normal person when it comes to being sensitive to something I love, not doing well. He could have really gone out of his way right. to draw yeah. some favor with people, to become relatable, to say something that can draw us in where we say, you know what, it's not gone well, but I now I understand it was just coming from a place where he's mad at himself. I get it. But the statement, the lack of the, the time that it took, to me, if, if a lesson is not learned here and he's not going to be relatable again, then we're just going to have to wait out till the next thing happens again. If he's not going to learn from it and use this as a catapult to become one with us, and I mean you, me, all of us, become one with us again, then it's just a matter of time before the next incident happens. All right, uh, I got to ask you a couple uh, quick hit things before we uh, get our break here. Unrelated, well, uh, one related to this. Will the, will the Panthers beat Tampa Bay? Will they circle the wagons and win on Sunday? No, I don't think so. Tampa Bay's playing okay. something. I would have said a week ago, yeah, probably, because I thought they were at least getting a little momentum, especially after the way they played against Green Bay. 
last week was so deflating. It might have been their worst offensive game of the season somehow, believe that or not. And that covers uh, a lot of ground, yeah. Yeah, that boy, jeez. Uh, I, you know, I would, I would say, I would say no, especially with all that's going on this week. I mean, there's who's going to play also for them. I mean, that's always a question anyway, but Tampa Bay is going to be trying for it. I just, I, I say no. I, I think Tampa Bay beats okay. them. Uh, no, no. Yep. All right. Uh, do you, Gene Chizik fired today in Chapel Hill. This is after all the recruits were brought in and that sort of thing. So the timing is a little strange, uh, in this. Uh, do you think uh, Mac Brown will get uh, – oh, he has to get a better coordinator than what Chiswick's done. I mean, they've been dreadful. So uh, does he get a game-changing defensive coordinator, Mac Brown? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> – I don't know. It's, that's an interesting question there. I, look, as far as Mac Brown himself goes, I'm, I'm surprised that he's still coaching. I thought – you know, there were some rumors a couple of years ago from one of the, I think it was Ross Dellinger from SI, if I'm not mistaken, about Matt Brown was, was thinking about retiring, and then Drake May comes in and becomes one of the best quarterbacks. You know, he's gone from Howell to Drake May, and they haven't really done a ton with those guys. I thought by the end of Drake May, you would see maybe a parting of ways or retirement from Matt Brown. I did not think he would go through another cycle without a quarterback, the caliber of Sam Howell, the caliber of Drake May. I thought Matt Brown would, would by this point, I thought it might happen this offseason, but I was wrong. So I'm surprised he's going to go through some more time here. As far as the coordinators go, I mean, you know, he could hire a big name, but the thing with UNC has been this. It, it, they bring in these recruiting classes, or they did for a while, that were very highly ranked. They, they had their two best quarterbacks in program history. They're always on paper looking like in Mac Brown's stint, too, like they're about to knock that door down and become a legit playoff contender. And then they start out well, and the season starts, and they look the part, and it's like, oh, my God, UNC, they, they could be in the mix all the way to the end. And then, for whatever reason, about midseason, a number of times, the wheels just fall off, and they can't ever figure it out. And once they start to the spiral about midseason, they never get it back. So to your point, yeah, they could hire – a pretty big name defensive coordinator. It might look the part right away, but nothing, nothing is sustaining right now with UNC football. They get momentum recruiting, coaching wise, player wise. They get momentum and then, you know, a little bit of adversity hits. Usually Georgia Tech game hits and all of a sudden yeah. they can never get it back. So yeah, I could sit here and say they can hire this guy or this guy, but is it going to work long term? I probably say no because no matter what they do, it always ends up back in the same spot when it comes to starting football. All right, let me ask you this. Who wins the uh, Natty on Monday for the college football playoff? Who you got and why? Yeah, here's the thing. I think that Michigan's physicality worries me for Washington. But at the same time, we got into a big show fight over the summer because we were going through some predictions. And I said, look, I think Washington's going to win the Pac-12. I know at the time USC was highly touted. Oregon, I think Washington with those wideouts and Penix is going to be a playoff team. And I rode that all the way through. And then I rode them against Texas. So I've ridden Washington since about the springtime. And part of me is thinks that Michigan's <laughs> physicality may be too much. But Michigan has not faced the dynamic offense that is Washington. So I have ridden Washington for so long right now. I'm not completely confident in it. But I just I, – I, I, something is just telling me that Washington's going to pull this thing off. I'm not – 
I'm not in love with it per se because Michigan looks like they've got that little bit of uh, the chip on the shoulder carrying them routine. But Washington, man, think about how battle-tested they are. Beat Oregon twice. Beat Texas. And then you go through the Oregon States, the Utahs. Uh, all those teams in the Pac-12 that had really good years, uh, they, they took them all out, man. And uh, Penix just feels like he's on, a, he's on a magic carpet ride right now. Penix was the best player on either field Monday. Yep. I mean, it was just awesome. I was I was blown away. All right. Uh, I'm glad you're uh, on the back end of this. Feel better. Thank you, Travis. Great to talk to you, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Happy uh, Happy New Year as well to all your listeners, for sure. Yep. Thank you. The great uh, T-Bone from WFNZ, Mac and T-Bone. Mac and Bone, excuse me, in the mornings out there. Um, great guy, Pilk. Great guy. We're going to do a pirate report here from Coach Schwartz, talk a little bit about the basketball game last night, and I have a lot more. But right now, Philip the Ref, Pilkington, with a 94-3 the game sports update and pirate report. Pilk. Thanks, P-Man. Starting in the NFL, the league has fined Panthers owner David Tepper $300,000 for throwing a drink on a Jags fan in Sunday's loss in Duval County. The In Pirate News, the Pirate football team has added Coastal Carolina to the schedule. The Pirates will travel down to Conway in 2025, and the return game will be played in Greenville in 2028. Last night, the Pirate women's basketball team opened up league play with an 82-54 win over over UTSA, and they will be back in action Saturday at 3 o'clock when they travel to Memphis. The men were in a dogfight until the last few minutes against 17th-ranked FAU down in Boca Raton, but they ended up losing the game 79-64 in their conference opener. Coach Schwartz said after the game he just thinks the team isn't quite deep enough yet. We're not a real deep team yet. We're going to get there. Mm-hmm. We're going to get this ECU program to there where we're going to be a deep team. We're not there yet. The men will be back in action on Sunday when they host Tulsa. Tip four is at three, and you can hear it right here on 94.3 The Game starting at 2.30. Pirate running back Gerald Green has entered the transfer portal as a graduate transfer for his last year of remaining eligibility. Last night, the Canes routed the first-place Rangers 6-1, to and big thanks to their special teams as they scored two first-period power play goals. They also went a perfect 3-for-3 three three on the PK. Next up for the Canes, they will travel up to Washington on Friday take on Alexander Ovechkin and the Capitals. Last night, the Hornets snapped an 11-game losing skid with a 111-104 defeat of the Sacramento Kings. That'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. We will have all the comments from Coach Schwartz following last night's loss to FAU after this timeout. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94-3 The Game. So last night, East Carolina played uh, pretty well, all things considered, uh, for uh, 36 uh, minutes. Then the final four, they came to pieces. Absolute pieces. Uh, nice night for Brandon Johnson, double-double, number six on the year, 15-10. and 10. Quentin DeBunjay, before he twisted his ankle, was really playing well. DeBunjay's frustrating because he has the physical ability. And he showed that last night. He's strong. He's athletic. When he's just playing ball, he can he can score. And he's shown it this year. But, you know, he, he only played like eight minutes the previous 
three games he played. Uh, he had 13 off the bench. That's the most for any Pirate player off the bench this year. R.J. Felton added 12 uh, points and five rebounds. But it was not enough as East Carolina fell in defeat. Uh, so that will be... Uh, That'll be what's uh, going on. And, uh, you know, I just, I can't, that, that's a tough deal because uh, you're so close and you still come up empty against a, a really good team. Now, you know, FAU showed how good they were. And there's no dominant team. I, I, I've been talking up FAU, but they've had the best win of the year prior to just showing up and being flat against the Gulf Coast. But uh, I, I just can't see Pilk any sort of, uh, you know, it's just it's just frustrating. I mean, that's that that'd have been a great one to get. It'd have been a huge upset. You'd have been maybe the talk of college basketball today. But uh, I just I can't see you you can you can't afford to go and lose against Tulsa now on Sunday. You got to win at home on uh, Sunday. Well, I think you'd win that game regardless, but the frustrating part is not that they went cold, it's that they started turning the ball over sloppy. Yeah. That's the issue. Chaotic. Yeah. And I don't think it was anything FAU was necessarily doing. DCU didn't value the basketball. And that is a problem. That is a problem. Uh, let's hear from uh, Mike Swartz, who uh, thought as I just stated, his team played well for 35 minutes. Thought we played, you know, 35 minutes of really, you know, I don't want to say good basketball, but but we executed game plan. It was there. It's back and forth. You know, we have leads, they have leads. We cut the leads, they cut the leads, and it's it's a high level game in the center of the ring. Yeah. And I thought we were able to probably control the tempo to where it gave us a shot to be there. And and you know, and you know, and I talked to the, like I said, I told you guys earlier, I know Coach May really well, and he said that, you know, from a tempo standpoint and what we were trying to do game plan-wise, that it disrupted what they were trying to do. The last five minutes, I think they showed why they're the team that they are. You could feel the explosiveness, you could feel the speed, and, and, you know, but I will point to a couple key plays that I believe turned this game, um, and and a huge one was a two-point game, us coming out of a timeout, and, uh, we have the look that we want Bobby on a back screen, and we just don't complete the pass, and it's a turnover that leads to a basket, and we run the action again, and instead of making the simple play, we turn it over again. And both plays, we had a basket to either tie the game or cut it back to a one-possession game, and instead it's two turnovers that lead to baskets for them. More from Coach Schwartz, who talks about how FAU made adjustments. You know, Brandon did a really good job. We had some certain things we were trying to get, go to when they had a uh, big fella, Vlad Golden, on Brandon Johnson. Mm-hmm. And we were able to do it in the first half. And so what it is is they took him out or they put Rosado in the game and they had to adjust. And then when they came back with Vlad, obviously Brandon's ability to space the floor when he was at the five and we went small, they started putting Vlad on Quentin. Yep. And when they put Vlad on Quentin, we went to having Quentin set a ball screen and do things to get Vlad up there. And Quentin got downhill one time. He got a screen, got a guard downhill, pick and pop. He hit the three. And, you know, that this that lineup was the one I was probably going to go with to finish the game uh, with Brandon at the five and, and, and Quentin in there uh, because I thought Quentin was really playing well on offense and he was playing on defense. Uh, but what can you do? You, you know, know, It changed like 14-1 to one run. That's pretty telling. 
and uh, Coach thought his team played with a lot of toughness. We talked a lot about process the last three days, ever yeah. since that game, actually, as we gone into the new year, and you know, I guess it's pretty timely with that, and talked about understanding what process means, and I thought our guys processed the whole since we came in and scrubbed out that ETSU game to practice, to tra- practice, to travel, as we traveled to, and we practiced late last night in here, and preparation today in film, you know, I love the way our guys prepared. I thought their mindset from a f- mental, and I thought their physical effort and toughness was strong today for 35 minutes. Uh, you know, I think the last five minutes, I-, I believe I'm going to be disappointed watching the film. I think a lot of that had to do with the mental side of those turnovers. You turn it over, they go score. You turn it over, they go score. Unforced turnovers. And, man, it, you know, like uh, d- d- when you're when you're scrapping and fighting to, to climb up the hill and, and you, you don't get knocked back, you just fall, so to speak, unforced, boy, you, you, it gets discouraging. And uh, let's see here, a couple more from Coach Swartz uh, saying the team is just not deep enough yet. We're not a real deep team yet. Right. We're going to get there. Mm-hmm. We're going to get this ECU program to there where we're going to be a deep team. We're not there yet. So when you don't have a Quentin DeBunge or a Jaden Walker like we didn't have versus ETSU, it does really impact our team. Yeah, absolutely. Because now instead of guys being able to play 32, 33 minutes. Now they all got to play 37, 38 minutes. Mm-hmm. It really makes a big difference. Um, and Quentin's 23 minutes tonight, we saw, obviously, make a big difference for us. Coach talked about uh, the turnovers in a little more detail. Pirates only had 10, but it was the timing of the turnovers late, more so than the amount of turnovers that did ECU in. You know, you, you got to do it for 40 minutes. And, and, and Look, this is a top... This is a nationally top team in the country. But it doesn't matter who you're playing. That is where this team needs to get to. Uh, and I, I think we're, we're going that direction. Uh, but we didn't get it done tonight, and that, and that is disappointing. Because I thought we were, uh, as I just told you know, the AP reporter, is that we put ourselves in position uh, to, to, to win this game. Yes. And yep. we were right there. We were in a possession game. And we told the guys, this is going to be a possession game. You know, at some point you have to realize, and I think this is good for our team, that you have to expect to be in possession games in conference, home and away. And and then it comes down to those, and those turnovers, I thought, were the difference. Yeah. The turnovers on, because we had the ball with chance to either tie or take the lead. Yeah. And we all know the feeling, you take a lead with four minutes or five minutes to go, mm-hmm. the feeling that it can change quickly. But all of a sudden it goes from a two-point game to a six- or seven-point game, and it all changes the other way. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, and I get ECU runs a lot of isolation uh, stuff. But, you know, I, I, I thought they were a little easy to guard at times, especially late last last night. Uh, FAU was harder to guard in that they shared the ball at, at a lot better rate. I, I didn't realize the Pirates, I knew they didn't have a lot of si- assists. I didn't realize they only had six. And a lot of it is because they're just a little too much one-on-one. I get that's kind of the method of, of what East Carolina does, and it can be successful. But I, I just think if you're crisp and you're moving the ball, particularly on the road, and you're just tougher to guard, that is that's a real feather uh, in your cap. And that makes you that makes you have the ability to win a game like that. Uh, Ezra Zar played okay. I didn't think he played great. He continues to kind of have an up and down sophomore campaign. Pettiford missed some shots late. Cam Hayes is. Uh, 
Still not found his sea legs. And uh, Jaden Walker continues to be bothered. Uh, and and you got to get him healthy because I think he's an important part of what uh, you're going to do. Um, I would have given Sierra Malanga more minutes. Uh, but that's me. Um, yeah, so, you know, all told, uh, Felton Johnson were fantastic. Pirates are right there. It's just uh, FAU took advantage of the mis- miscues and the mistakes, and that's why they are who they are. That's why they'll be a second weekend team at the very least uh, in the tournament. All right, so ECU will be back on the road against Tulsa. Home against uh, Excuse Tulsa. me, back at home against Tulsa. Pardon me. Uh, that'll be Sunday at 3, 2.30 airtime on 94.3 The Game and the ECU Sports Network. We're taking the timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap up uh, today's show. Uh, Zoki and Mole, I guess, tomorrow. I know I've been told otherwise, but I probably need to confirm that, right? All right, we'll be back. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Tomorrow, Brian Mull will join us. Jim Zoki will join us. We'll talk Panthers. We'll talk college basketball. And uh, we're cooking up some good stuff for Friday in our triumphant return to the 5 p.m. time slot on Fridays. Unless we're going to have a best of, Bill, because they're a best of of some kind. Not that I've been told. Okay. All right. 48 hours out, I've not been told anything. You don't ever know. You don't ever know. Nope. Uh, Shout out. Dylan McKay recovering from a little surgery. Hang in there, Dylan. Slamming Sammy Walker at the Outer Banks. Wrapping up business with uh, OBX or WOBX News. Going to have some other things planned. Sam is uh, the best. I'm not going to tell you what Zoki just said in response to the question, will he be on tomorrow? It's funny. Funny stuff. Is it at least so. a yes? Are we at least, can we confirm it's a that yes. we're having him? Okay. It's a yes, yes, yes. What did he get the programming yes. note part of this through? That was the important thing. Right. And he just said something even funnier. That's just even funnier. That Zoke's a character. Uh, yeah, so a couple shout-outs to some good guys I've worked with in the biz and uh, know very well and like very much. So uh, shout-out to them for... Uh, what they are uh, doing. You know what happened today, Pilk? I was uh, working around the house uh, and about to sort of make my uh, way out, and uh, Mama Jay, my mom, popped by and took me to lunch, and it was a great lunch. How about that? Where'd we you ordered, go? We ordered off, I can't tell you, we ordered off menu at this place, though. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, shout out Mama Jay. Off menu. How you do it, son? All right. Um, <laughs> sh- shout out to T Bone Travis Hancock for being with us. Pilk, thank you. Tomorrow morning, talk of the town. We'll be there at seven one zero three seven ninety six three IBX Media app. Back here at five ninety four three. The game in the IBX Media app.
Pirate fans, this is Parker Moore and Hampton Ertle, offensive lineman for your ECU Pirates. Are you ready to tackle life's challenges head on? And just like we protect our quarterback, the team at East Coast Agency is here to protect what matters most to you. We're talking about the 